got a friend in us. This is episode 36, The Terminal from 2004. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And with us tonight, we have a Tom Tom Club classic. He's been on so many times already. He is back once again. He will be back on the other feed before too long, just in a couple weeks. We have Mr. Zach Dazan. Hello, Zach. Hello. Welcome back to the show to talk about this weird, weird, weird movie. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty weird. I remember really liking it when I first saw it, and now I'm not so sure. So before we talk about whether we liked it or not, I had never seen this before. This was my first time I'd seen this. Mike, have you seen it before? Okay, so I'd seen like parts of it here and there. I never knew where in the movie they came into sequence. So like, this is the first time watching it. Okay, and Zach, you said you saw it back when it came out. Is that right? Yeah, more or less, I think. But not really since then. So it's been it's been a long time. It's been a long it's been a while. Before we do the plot summary, what I thought it was about was Tom Hanks playing Tom Hanks falling in love with Catherine Zeta Jones when they're like stranded, like snowed in or something at a terminal. I don't know what I thought. More like an up in the air kind of thing. Yeah, like I thought it was gonna be like up in the air or like, you know, you've got mail or sleepless in Seattle or whatever. Like one of those kind of things, right? But like, Mike, please tell the people what this is about because like if you told me what this movie's about, I would be like, No, you're lying. Like that's there's no way that this is that this is actually than what the movie's about. Well, this is actually funny because I remember it the exact opposite. I remember it being only about an Eastern European guy stuck in a terminal and I don't remember any romance at all. Oh, fascinating. Okay. The romance is sort of intermittent throughout. And incomplete. And incomplete, yeah. And again, this is like one of those things where like for Cruise Club, I have to be like, okay, so there's a 37-step plot to do this and this <laughs> and this. And Mike, like, you could do this in a sentence if you want. I mean, not that you should. Easy breezy, yeah. But uh, okay, so Hank plays Victor Nervorsky who okay so like he's come to america but while he was in the air his country was overthrown there was a coup there's a civil war and he's a man without a nation basically so he's not allowed to enter america right now because his passport has been denied he's been taken by airport police and uh he's basically been detained by at this terminal where he must stay at a new york city airport and it is run by stanley tucci who is basically his warden throughout the movie Mm -hmm. he actually wants victor to try to leave the airport because because then he will get arrested and he will be someone else's problem. He will become like a problem of the state of New York City and he will be out of his hair. But Victor defies all this and stays at the terminal, stays there for nine months until his country's war is basically over and he can be declared a citizen somewhere again. But before he does that, he fulfills a lifelong promise to his father to uh, save jazz. I don't know. we got to get into what the filmmaker's intention here is. But again, for some reason, another Tom Hanks movie ends in the third act with a jazz nightclub scene. Victor basically goes and gets this autograph of a very famous jazz musician to put in his father's tin can, his peanut jar, filled with autographs and stuff. And then he just goes back to his country. But as he's in America those nine months, he makes friends with a whole lot of people, although all the sort of weirdos that work at the airport terminal from the baggage claim guys to the guys who uh, was like a janitor and... Uh, he hooks up like some of the people who work there. Cassie and Andor ends up marrying Ahura. She even gives the Vulcan salute in this. So there's a lot of little details involved going on here to flesh it out. He falls in love with Catherine Zeta-Jones, who's all up in the air. It's really crazy what is going on here. So let's get into it, guys. That's the movie. So Zach, why did you sign up for this movie? I remember liking it. Okay. I liked it. I liked it back in the day. I thought it was a fun conceit and it has a lot of potential. And I feel like for the first half of the movie, it's mostly quite enjoyable and then it just kind of goes down this like cutesy hole that gets annoying so this is one of five times that tom hanks and steven spielberg have worked together this is the only time that the movie was not nominated for any oscars 
which I think is kind of telling. Like, I don't think this is bad. I just think it, like, the fact that this is a Steven Spielberg movie, the fact that, like, when Tom Hanks opens his mouth, he's got what's essentially a Russian accent. I was like, wait, hold on, what? What is this movie? I think I was struggling with the movie early on, and then it gets into a rhythm where I'm like, oh, I actually kind of like this. And then, to your point, Zach, it kind of just becomes like a, oh, or it's kind of the movie that I thought it was going to be all along. Like it's, it's a weird, weird thing. Mike, what did you think of this movie? I feel like it never finds itself. Like, there's ideas that are working and stuff is going on, but it feels almost like a series of short films that take place, like, at a terminal or something. There's no real cohesion for me going on here. Uh, there's not a lot of depth and stuff. I don't especially like what Hanks is going on with here, like what he's doing and stuff. It's just very, it's a very strange choice. Like he's super committed to this choice, but it's almost one step away from like doing like a simple Jack kind of thing almost. I mean, it's not that bad, but it's just like, it's really crazy that he's playing this foreigner to such a degree to the point where it's like, just get someone, you know, who actually talks like this to play the role or something. You know, I almost felt like I wish it was um, Diego Luna's story or something like Mm. that, you know, like maybe he was the lead instead of Tom Hanks or like, but he just wasn't viable enough. So they had to like get a star to play the role or something. But the funny thing is I figured out what this movie wanted to be like halfway through. It's a romantic comedy. Yeah. There's just, it doesn't get to it until the movie's almost over, which is the big issue. You know, you could say, oh, it's about a guy in love with New York and he finally gets to go out with it. But like all that stuff with like Zoe Saldana and Catherine Zeta-Jones, like that's the stuff for me that I wanted more by the time it was over. So ultimately I didn't hate it as much as I was expecting to. I just feel like it's just kind of there. It's like almost not a waste of time, but it's just like, you know, if you're trying to just like kill some time, this is like probably the perfect movie to do that with. I'd say it's super weird seeing America's dad play a foreigner. How often does it happen? This is the first time, I think. It reminded me a little of Robin Williams doing Moscow on the Hudson, but that was like almost like a full 20 years before this. And he was Robin Williams. So he was sort of known for doing more characters, I guess. And yeah, so I don't know really what the choices were. Boy, oh boy. Mike, for the second movie in a row, since we have escaped the Golden Mile, right? We had a a sort of a weird movie in The Lady Killers where Hanks plays this vaudevillian kind of 40s old time thing in modern day now we have him playing another thing in the next movie we're doing it's going to be the polar express where i think he's animated like he's he's almost intentionally being like oh let me do all like, like let me cover all the bases that i haven't covered in the last decade in a way i feel bad criticizing this because i feel like the, the, the way that i've been criticizing hanks's choices for the last so many movies like even as the movies are undisputably great i was bored by the fact that like oh of course he's gonna play this guy now he's almost doing explicitly what i want him to do and it's like but why this movie you know what i mean like he's taking weird chances he's being bold he's doing strange things it's in a movie that i'm like wait like why did what if he if he did this with a an auteur director and not steven spielberg maybe it would have been better i feel like this is also very much sort of like a byproduct of the climate of the time that it was made in right like we're 2004, three years after 9-11, it's an airport movie. They want everyone to make sure, oh, look, like you could go to the airport and everything and feel safe and all this. And like, yeah, it tries to touch on all the turmoil in the world and how it affects like the the immigrant and all this kind of stuff, you know, and like how people get like he is, like they fall through the cracks and they get stuck there and this kind of thing. And it's just like, almost like, why are they doing this in the first place is kind of weird. Like that it's such a lighthearted, whimsical comedy. Like I do not feel like the tone and the subject marry well at all for me and like that for me i feel like why i'm like 
mostly uneasy watching this movie. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being absolutely on the loose, 1 being totally chained up, how on the loose would you say Tooch is in this movie? Let's rephrase it so that 10 is like the ideal Tooch on the loose that you want in every movie, and 1 is just like, why is Tooch even in this movie? Like on a scale of 1 to 10, how on the loose is the Tooch? Three and a half. Yeah, I was going to say like a four here to be generous. I was disappointed. I'm like, they're not using him. And then at the end, when he tries to sort of like touch it up, you know, he becomes like a villain because of it and everything. I'm like, no, it's... Well, he's the villain all along. Yes, but he becomes like an asshole. Yes. We were trying to rate him on the D&D scale for a while. I was watching watching this with Emma. And for a while, I was like, oh, he's just lawful neutral. He just wants the rules to be followed. And by the end, he was lawful evil. And I hated that. He's not wrong. Like, I think that if you're in that position, right, like you're underpaid because he's talking about how Hanks makes more money than him. This is also reading way too far into it. But like, if you're in that position where you're underpaid and like there's a headache and you've got so many other things to deal with and you're vying for a promotion and all this different stuff, and there is a way that like you could get rid of a problem i think you would probably try i mean the fact that he's unable to after nine months like you would almost i feel like you'd have to embrace it at some point yeah i actually feel like it was kind of a cute cat and mouse thing when he was like you know stopping him from making money off the carts and sort of like you know he's like i'm not gonna lie to this guy so he just sort of greases him a little bit right like sort of tries to steer him out the door uh, but he doesn't take into account like how resilient and resourceful like the hanks character is gonna get like that's not even feel it doesn't even feel like that's the core relationship of the film and i'd be fine if it was but it just sort of like is there and drifts in and out and like we kind of you know check in on the tooch every once in a while and you know and then it's like i'm supposed to care that he might be fired for that incident and everything it's like i haven't gotten to really get into him in the first place so and then right when he seems to be the most obsessed with getting rid of tom hanks he lets him go i don't think it's quite earned does he let him go or does he like because he i don't think he tries to he doesn't try to let him go yeah he could have stopped the cab at the end right yeah they're like you have to send somebody a cab and he's like no let him go he's like gentlemen we've got like a flight coming in on the other side of the terminal we have to go you know crack open walnuts and bust drug dealers and stuff so like the one thing that i was sort of trying to gauge all movie long is you know when we have the awards at the end we try to figure out the best and the worst and i'm like i feel like this is kind of best ensemble because there's a lot of colorful characters here but like i don't understand the why of any of them and i feel like they also then air into air e-r-r not air air into caricature so like the date scene is maybe my favorite and my least favorite moment in this entire movie <laughs> because it's adorable and also it's terrible and so you know hanks falls in love with Catherine zeta jones because how could you not he keeps trying to woo her and he can't really he's like he's kind of lying to her he's not really lying to her and he's you know it's how do you tell her like he's saying to her like i live in the terminal she's like oh yeah everybody says that and then she gets mad at him for lying which she's he's not actually lying she just like she took what he was saying metaphorically but anyway falls in love with her he gets all of his buddies that we mentioned before to like try to get them two together and have a date and have this really romantic dinner and it's on this little balcony overlooking a tarmac and it's adorable but like the way that they get there is really kind of skeevy and sketchy and like they literally have her fall into his lap and i'm like ooh, that's kind of uncomfortable the date is so cute and then they just become caricatures where like there's the guy who's actually a juggler in real life like i can't believe we have juggling in a movie that a hank that hanks is in and it's not hanks juggling but like he was actually like a, a juggler and like a real life performer like that we've got the other guy like just you know being a stereotypical like waiter in like a sketch comedy show all these different things where it doesn't feel in line with the characters like, these feel like sensitive well-rounded characters then we get to this moment and it's like jokey 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 it's like i don't like what tone i think to your point mike like what what tone are you like what are you doing here yeah i have trouble too with like all the relationship stuff that goes on here like because 
I mean, if he had just bumped into her in the first 10 minutes of the movie, it would be immaculately better. Like, cause then the whole movie would be this, right? Like it would be awesome. And then at the end, like it would have a lot more weight when, you know, she finds out he's actually living in a terminal and stuff. But I also have like twice as many issues. It's like, you know, I'm just like you, Joey. It's my favorite and least favorite thing about the movie is the whole Zoe Saldana subplot. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, what a great thing that they could have spent so they needed to spend so much more time on this and then the resolution of that is so bad and quick and and just the whole idea that like you know diego luna wants to like break her like a stallion and stuff and i was like oof that's rough these days you know i don't like that language and stuff but ultimately just like that would have been a cute sort of thing to lace throughout the whole movie and it's just like huh she's gonna marry him without ever meeting him like i was shocked it was shocking yeah that part bothered i would have liked to see like a like a her see him for the first time moment that would have been nice because they don't talk until she puts on the engagement ring and it's like yes i'll marry you and then they run to the chapel and they get married like, they don't have a conversation right he just leers at her from afar right so like i love the concept of what they were gonna do with those two but i hate the execution of the way that it played out in another movie it's almost like the whole thing like you know asking for a friend but like in another movie like hanks is the one who's asking zoe Saldana out but like yes yes but it's not like he's actually asking for somebody else alternate version of this movie she thinks it's hanks and she falls for hanks and then when he gets uh, turned down by uh, what's her name at the end uh, he, he goes back to her. That'd be interesting. Or just what I was thinking the whole time, too. And, you know, I know we're all like sort of like rewriting it. You know, what I mentioned earlier, like if Diego Luna was the guy without a country, right? And every time he goes to get the paper stamped, you know, he asks her another question. And then slowly they do fall in love over the nine months with him trying to get legal and all this kind of thing. But I don't <laughs> know. My mind was just starting to, you know, do that kind of thing. And I don't necessarily you know i do and don't like that but i don't like when a movie makes me want to sort of like make up things i'd rather see than enjoy the stuff that i'm watching if hanks married seldana he could just get in on a marriage visa yeah i like that in this movie he becomes a folk hero even though i don't really understand why he becomes a folk hero yes and it happens like instantly with the goat thing, right? Helping the guy. The whole thing with the handprint. Yeah. And it's spreading. And it's just another one of those like ideas that isn't explored more. Like that feels almost more like from the serious dramatic version of this, like whatever take that mm. was going to be, where like the guy was way more sort of, I don't know, like shit upon, I guess you could say. Like just, you know, I could just see that being from a darker version of this movie that somehow like still made it through. Zach, do you have a favorite part of this movie? Is there something about this movie that you do love? And I guess a more specific question, like, did you? dislike this the second time around or are you just sort of like oh it's whatever i enjoyed myself but it was kind of despite myself you know like my when my brain knew it was bad but like i still had a good time as i said the rom-com stuff rubbed me the wrong way for the most part but like the rest of the concept the falling through the cracks and being resourceful it reminded me a lot of castaway actually of just yes. kind of him Yes. figuring out how to how to build a life in this on this island of sorts um so i very much liked seeing his house I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking it was like Castaway. I had that realization when he's making the cracker sandwich and eating it with a ketchup and mustard. And I was like, oh, huh. he's foraging for food the same way he would on an island. And I want to ask the two of you, and I think the initial answer is obvious, but I don't know what the actual, my real answer is. But would you rather, for just say a year, live in an airport terminal or on a deserted island? Like, would you basically live in the terminal, like his world in the terminal or his world in Castaway? If I could be guaranteed not to die, I'd go for the island, but I, I feel like I'd be more 
likely to live in the terminal. But if I knew I'd be able to figure it out, I'd rather be on the island. Mike, that's a tough one. I think I want the terminal for the people and the stuff right now. <laughs> you know, it's got like, you could always wander into a bookstore and read something when you're on the island like a year. I don't know if I could do a year in isolation on an island like that. I think the initial impression is that, oh, obviously the terminal. But like, I feel like there would be some kind of like claustrophobic, like you're so close to being free and you're not. It's like the Chinese water torture or something, right? Like it's just, it's just the repetition of the day by day where everything is the same. It's kind of in a way like Dawn of the Dead, right? Where you're in a mall and you've got all the things in the mall, but like you're still trapped there. I mean, not that the island has like all this expansive whatever, but like you're at least remote enough. I don't know that it's a slam dunk terminal, even though I think that is the initial like, oh yeah, of course the terminal. That's a good would you rather. You got to send that into Bang Bang if they still do those. <laughs> CBBWIR. There's two things I want to talk about when he figures out how to make money, right? So he's, he sees somebody return the cart and he gets a quarter, right? And so he keeps doing that. He keeps getting quarters and he goes to Burger King. And I was like, God damn it. I could really go for Burger King. In <laughs> quarantine, 100% of the food I'm, I'm eating is here. Like I'm not cooking all the time, but like I'm heating things up or whatever. So I haven't had a burger in like a long time, but I haven't had a fast food burger in even a longer time. And like just the, the Whopper that he was eating, I was like, ah, oh, shit. Like that looks so <laughs> goddamn good. But anyway. I've got a burger recipe for you. Please share. Please share. I have not been to the grocery store in three weeks as of this, this recording, and I'm basically out of food. So I need to go very, very soon. The drive throughs are open. Oh, well, they are around here. Yeah, I but mean, I don't I don't, I don't trust that. Okay. Anyway, my bigger issue, my bigger question here is, I don't know if you noticed this, Mike. I don't know if my mind is playing tricks. I don't know if it's hair blindness. I looked it up. It's not her. But when he first bumps into the woman returning the cart, I was like, that looks like Amy from Bosom Buddies. It looks like Wendy Jo Sperber. And I knew that she had passed away. She died in 2005. So like, there's a chance she could have been in this. And what's crazier is she says, hey, watch where you're going, buddy. And I was like, whoa, is this? Because it looks like Amy. I mean, it's, you know, 25 almost years later. I don't know if she would still look like that. I don't know what she looked like when she passed away. But like, I was like, that's that, that, that's Amy. I'm like, that's such a cool little cameo. You know, Hanks and her back together, like just like a, a small bit part. And I look her up and she's not in the movie. And I was like, what? And so I don't know why that wasn't. I mean, I don't know. She might have been sick. I don't know. But like, I was like, why use the word buddy? Why cast someone who kind of looks like her? I don't know if anybody was thinking that. I don't, it just, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, this is like, I'm sort of seeing like the a beautiful mind number or something like things are like i'm seeing the matrix through the code it's another close call because we had the juggling but not by hanks and we had the not co-star moment there too but apparently spielberg's daughter or one of his daughters is in here somewhere I she's sure. the one that he he breaks, breaks her, her suitcase, suitcase? Yeah. i thought so okay yeah not a bad performance I was like, okay. Mike, is there anything about this movie that you love that we have not talked about? Anything that you really, really like? I don't hate it as much as I thought I was going to hate it. Like, I was ready to hate this and just, like, burn it to the ground and stuff like that. But, like, stuff I really like about it, I guess... I mean, you know what? If not for nothing, like this is a snapshot of 2004. I feel like you've got like the NSA in full gear. You got all the machine guns, you know, at the airport and everything. Camera like, you phones. Could... <laughs> it was like right on the cusp, right? Like YouTube probably came out the next year or so mm -hmm. or got hot yeah, the next year. Yeah. So like it was right on the cusp of like how we're living now, you know? So like you could see sort of the transition into the new normal with this movie. I thought that was pretty interesting. I was like, oh, look how how, like everyone thinks we're back to normal and it's all like idyllic and everything like that. I was like, wait, 15 years, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> See what they make a movie about this in like five years. But 
you know, I, I don't know. I kind of like that. I was like, well, this is, you know, I, I am transported back to the time this was made, if not for nothing. Oh, and I did actually, you know, I, I joked about it earlier, but I actually thought it was kind of nice at the end with all the jazz stuff and everything. It's just very weird that this keeps popping up in, in movies like that we're doing and everything. But like, hey, man, I'm sure Hanks was just like a fucking love jazz. Like, let's get this in here somehow. I don't know. Did it with my movie. That was all right. I was a little thrown by the Ramada in. I feel like that was like really specific and a terrible place for a jazz legend to be performing. But I guess no one really listens to jazz anymore. Yeah, I guess maybe that was sort of like part of the point, right? It's like this guy who was in this like, you know, legendary photograph that I used to have a poster of hanging on my wall at one point. And it's like, yeah, he's he's not known at all or anything except for this guy who lives halfway around the world. How did his dad get all the other signatures? Very carefully. (laughs) Was there something about how like the the mail wasn't getting through because of like the way the state government was run? And then one day they all showed up or something. I can't know because he's like he waited 40 years for a reply. And then one day they all just started coming in or something. So I was like, was that the day like the wall fell or or what? was? (laughs) I missed all of that. So like the country that he's from, Kirkosian is not a real country, right? No, it's like Sokovia. (laughs) East Europe. It's just, I guess, generic Soviet block. Yeah, I guess. I don't know, man. Some little things that I like, they're not really necessarily full thoughts, but when Tucci is explaining to him what the situation's like versus, you know, America versus whatever, and he takes the apple and he slams it on the bag of potato chips, I was like, that reminds me of the weatherman, which is right around this time too. Like, it's the same, like, just getting covered with food, right? It was a good famous food scene there for Kyle. Yeah, very true. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I call it a famous scene or even like, I guess it is a food scene, I was going to say, but it's not exactly, yeah, but yeah, I can see it. I, I guess I guess Hank's using the, the mustard ketchup Ritz sandwich or whatever is more for saltines. That's more of a... And the dinner date. Like, there's a lot of food scenes in here, for sure. Yeah, it's very food-centric. Oh, Joey, I was thinking lots of product placement in this movie. It's basically oh he's walking through a billboard factory the entire time, and I was really craving a Coke. Maybe if this movie was a little bit more successful, Borders would still be around. R.I.P. Borders. <laughs> I was thinking they must have been profitable like before they even opened with all this product placement. Hanks wants to see cats, and I was like, ooh, cats. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. <laughs> and then there was one other thing that I really liked. One of the messages that Diego Luna passes through Hanks to Zoe Saldana, he calls her a wild stallion. And I was like, oh. Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. He like still referring to her as a stallion is not great, but wild stallion, that's cool. <laughs> Oh, and I also do really like at the end when Hanks finally goes outside and he breathes his first fresh air and it's snowing and Catherine Zeta-Jones sees him. Like, I think that was a really nice moment. Um, I mean, I think you know it's coming the entire time, but it's still like it's still a nice moment. And I uh, appreciated the way that that was, you know, made cinematically. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't need that one day pass after all, right? Like he went to get it signed by the Tooch and then he just kind of storms out of the terminal anyway after his buddy, what, like stares down the jumbo jet? Like that was insane. So I think what happened is that he basically broke the law to leave, I think, because he needed to get signed. And then Tucci was like, I'm not signing it. You're going back home. Uh, Like, I have final authority, right? But I think he's just like, I'm going to go. Like, this is my last opportunity. I'm going to go. And then I guess worse. I I I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, they know he's going to be back anyway, so I guess they just let him have his, like, night in the city. Because he just goes right back, you know? He just goes to the Ramada Inn, listens to the guy warm up, gets his autograph, and then goes, like, presumably gets in the cab and goes back to the airport. It's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. 
I don't know, man. That almost sounds like an internet challenge where it's like, just take a plane to a city and get right back on the plane and fly home or something. I mean, that's what basically Joe too has taught. He's talked about that on like the podcast, like where he flies to California, goes to pick up beer and then hops right back on the plane and goes back home. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's basically that, but I mean, it's just, there's a nine month <laughs> window in between. But like, that was his original plan. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like he was planning to be back home like the next night and, and then he got detained and it turned into nine months and stuff. He's got to have family or friends back in Krakosia. I know that there's a war going on, but like they, they don't hear from him for nine months. It's like, yeah, I'll be back tomorrow night. Like I'm going to America, but I'll be back tomorrow. They're like, okay, weird, but cool. Sure. And then he just doesn't return. Like, what do, what are they doing? I would like to see a language reversal version of this movie where like, in a, I guess this would be much bigger in scope, but an American going to Krakosia doesn't speak the language, and then America falls to civil war, and he can't leave the Krakosian terminal. I think it would change our experience of the movie if we couldn't understand what anyone else was saying, but we did understand our main character. Man, this is like the second time recently this has come up, but like I, I hate to say, there's this Woody Allen movie, but and it kind of does that. It's the, it's about this family that's trapped in the, I think it's the Russian consulate or something, and it's a riot. I think the version he did had Mike Blossom was in it. Maybe, I can't remember. Maybe it's called Don't Drink the Water. I think it's actually kind of a famous play, but it's similar to that to this in that it's like a, an American family trapped overseas and like they can't leave and all like sort of the mayhem that they have to deal with is way more madcap. And um, I think he shoots it in like very few takes as well. So it's like real time. So it's like really well done. You know, I was thinking about Zach's idea of an American in another airport. And I was thinking like, I wonder, and Mike, you might know better. I can't think of anything, but we've seen it sort of a couple times recently in a way. Like I'm thinking of something like the beginning of Valkyrie, where it's Cruz speaking German and it transitions to English, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm imagining an American overseas and he doesn't speak the language and he's trying to follow the news. He's like, okay, I see United States. I understand that word. And like, I wonder if there's ever been a movie where like you see subtitles, but like one word at a time, like you're learning huh. the language, like the, the way that it visualizes them learning the language is by picking up one or two words. It would look like it's a mistake, but like right. you would have a whole thing and just like you hear like, it'd be like uh United States dot, dot, dot food, dot, dot, dot. What, you know what I mean? Like you would be picking up certain things. That's cool. That's almost like what happens in Mission Impossible 4, I think, when Ethan gets like knocked out by a grenade, he hears people in Russian and the subtitles are in Russian and then slowly they become English as he gets his senses about them. I think that happens. And the only other closer like I guess like reference or moment I was thinking of is in a very early episode of The Simpsons, Bart goes to France and like by the oh, end yeah. of the episode Sacre bleu. he's talking French <laughs> and yeah. like you know that apparently could yeah. happen and stuff so uh, by exposure and things so I don't know though but those are the two things that came to mind when you were talking I know I'm probably getting ahead of a question you're going to ask later but I think in the version we're describing where it's an American uh, caught in a foreign terminal I think that's where Tom Cruise is playing this mm, role instead of Tom I Hanks. can see that yeah 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 before we get there, is there anything about this movie that we didn't like? Any other notes, like things we didn't like, things that we wanted that we want to comment on? I don't know that I have more. I feel like kind of to sum up all of our things, like it's not bad. Like if this movie was ninety minutes instead of two hours, I think it would be a lot more forgivable. Is the wrong word? That's the weirdest part is how long it is and how many threads there are and how little they look. Like why did they do all the stuff with him becoming a carpenter at all? Like that, you know, it just <laughs> seems like why are we starting this now? Why are we doing this now? Although, so he could save enough money for a fancy dinner that he got for free. 
When he builds the Thousand Fountains, what they call the Thousand Fountains, like, how is any of that even remotely possible? Right. Not logistically. Like, I can see him somehow making it. Like, that's not the issue. But, like, how does that, how is that allowed, like, unauthorized work in an airport? Like, post 9-11. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. He just started and his, yeah, his manager felt like he'd feel too stupid to say anything about it. He's a bad manager. It's insane. At that point, the movie is just off the rails entirely because, like, nothing was, like, working wrong. He just got, like, this idea in his head and executed it to impress Catherine Zeta-Jones at the expense of, you know, every everyone that worked in the terminal. <laughs> and it barely worked. <laughs> it didn't even work, really. It didn't really even work, no. Any other notes, any other thoughts about this before we play a couple games and see if it deserves any awards? I'm good. Cool. So, okay, so let's go to Zach's idea of if Tom Cruise was in this movie. So we think that if we do the alternate reality, American in a foreign land, Tom Cruise in there, totally awesome. Love that. In this version, in this timeline of this movie, yeah. could Tom Cruise play this part? Or if not, could he play another part? I'd like to, I could see him as the Tooch in this that would be fun oh, like yeah. something lighthearted playing against tom hank but then the whole movie would have to be them you'd have to get rid of that would have to be romance you know you'd have to get rid of Catherine zeta jones you'd have to get rid of zoe saldana you have to get rid of diego you have to get rid of a lot of other stuff in order for that to work but i'd like to see that work as, as far as him like putting on the accent and all this kind of stuff i don't know man you know like we don't really see him joking it up or like disguising himself all that much and all that you know say that you know pretty often and everything he likes to be seen as who he is on screen and so, so i don't know if he would um i don't know how good he would pull off that accent without like the practice of hiding behind character the way tom hanks does you know like especially yeah. hanks just coming off of playing like that colonel sanders character in the last movie and really you know trying to get into something else so i don't know i don't i don't really think so Zach, what about you? Do you do you see any any way that he fits into this movie in this version? I mean, I have I have belief in Tom Cruise. I think he could do it. I don't think he would be as good as Tom Hanks was. I don't think he'd be as as kind of like artless. You know, I don't think he'd he'd come off as. I don't know how well he'd do the whole uh, like I am a I'm a, I'm kind of like a foolish tourist who just wants to see cats. He's he's too smart. He almost has that look in his eye, right? Like I wouldn't believe him acting not dumb per se, but like right. not that this guy's a dummy or anything like that. But I'm just right. saying, but like uh, someone with English as their second language who really doesn't understand the cultural differences and isn't doesn't have the exposure and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't really buy it from Cruz just because he has that sort of like look in his eye, whereas like Hanks can somehow get rid of it and make you sort of empathize for him without even trying at times. Which is, He's every man. Yeah, which is why I think I had difficult with him playing like a villain in that gangster film. It's just like it's tough not to like him. Yeah. You know, I think it's way too small of a part, but there's another part that I think Cruz could play in here. And if he played the Albanian guy, the janitor. <laughs> No, not the janitor, like the the goat guy, the goat medicine guy. Oh, the guy from his country or close yeah. to his country. Or Russia. Because, yeah. like, it's way too small of a part, but he's got that same kind of energy. And, like, it would be the kind of thing where, like, did you see, did you see, I, I can't, I can't believe what I'm about to say, but, like, there's the new Spielberg movie, Tom Hanks is in it, whatever. And then, like, there's a 90-second scene where Tom Cruise plays an Albanian. Like, what? It's like a Matt Damon cameo from three years ago where he was just like popping up and everything is like a one line or two lines or something. That'd be incredible, Joey. Now did you say it like, yeah, 
you know like, oh man that's like the kind of shit keanu's almost been doing right where he like <laughs> shows up for two or three scenes like it's that kind of impact where it's like was that keanu in the bad batch like was that keanu <laughs> right if they Wait. don't credit him and then he just shows up and you're like what yeah or it's like the same thing in the Bad Batch. Like it's Keanu, but like it's like, wait, did you know that was Jim Carrey? It's like, no, that wasn't Jim Carrey. It's like, no, that was Jim Carrey. <laughs> yes, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a couple little bits of trivia. This is apparently inspired by the story of this guy Murhan Nasseri, who is an Iranian refugee who was denied entry into England after his passport and UN refugee certificate had been stolen. Uh, he had remained in Terminal One. Like he was allowed to leave. I think they allowed to leave, or they there was some kind of like they gave him the option to. They basically fix this or go somewhere or whatever. But this is the craziest thing. I did zero follow-up research. So if this is not real, I'm sorry. But apparently he has chosen to like live in the terminal and just tell his story to whoever will listen. This is 32 years ago. So like, I don't know if, you know, and then the IMDb thing said like reportedly his mental health has deteriorated over the years. Like, yeah, 32 years living in an airport. Like, yeah. So does that mean we're getting a sequel? There should be a whole series. I will see the, the gritty reboot of this. I will definitely definitely watch that's insane but hey <laughs> i couldn't imagine like coming up with this on my own you'd have to gleam it off of something that actually happened let's see here so tom hanks's father-in-law so i guess rita wilson's father is bulgarian in you know he's he's of bulgarian descent and he's in his character in this movie speaks bulgarian so that's interesting do you think he's doing an impression of his father-in-law? That Maybe. would be amazing to find out. I'd love that. And there was another version of the ending where Catherine Zeta-Jones left with Hanks to go into Manhattan at the end and I guess sort of see the night. And they tested that. I don't know why they scrapped it, but they shot it, they edited it, they put it in, they tested it, and then they went with this one. So They didn't want it to be cheesy. <laughs> it couldn't be. Yeah, it had to, had to stick to some <laughs> realism there at the end. <laughs> cool. So that's about it. I think that's all the trivia that I had. But the very important question, so Zach, I don't know if you've been on, I think you've been on, I think when, you, when Castaway Raider changed it, but instead of asking, is he America's dad? Basically, the answer is yes. So is Hanks still America's dad, or does he do anything in this movie that basically makes us think like, ooh, dad, no. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the the America part is really the question. Mm, ooh, I didn't even think about that. America, you know, is a melting pot. So I suppose it's it's still America. But uh, no, I mean, the dad part is never under question. He's he's a big dork, uh, you know, tourist who wants to see cats. That's like the most the most daddy thing <laughs> ever. He deserves American citizenship Im- immediately. Mike, what do you think? You know, I wasn't quite sure at first, but, um, you know, look at how he's, like, helping people find love, and he's all into all that, and romance, and, you know, yeah, he's trying, and he's trying to be noble, and do the right thing in this movie and everything. And I think, you know, yeah, he's setting a good example, pretty much. His character is, you know, not a bad person or anything, right? right? Like he he may not tell the whole truth sometimes, but he never lies. So, right, he's just trying to look out for people in this. He almost becomes the Terminal's dad in a way, huh? Mm. (laughs) I'm going to say, even if he explicitly doesn't do anything that we're going to say yes to, he never does anything that you would say no to. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't doesn't tarnish his reputation here. It's just like, oh, no. Like, at at worst, it's just like a, oh, yeah, that was, yeah, he was still dad, you know? He becomes American Airlines dad. They love to fly, and it shows. Uh, It was a United movie. Oh, was it? I didn't even... 
pay any attention to any of that. Well, I mean, they say, like, because she makes a joke. Catherine Zeta-Jones makes a joke about, like, how do I know? Like, you you flew United. Like, she, like, she, I know everything about it. Like, more sort of, like, objectification of weirdness with her is, like, when they get, when when they're at dinner and the guy is, like, mouthing, like, she's so hot. I was like, all right, weird. And then, like, when they're sneaking in to find her files, like, I, I on the one hand, think it's kind of clever that they're like, when is she going to be back? But it's also kind of creepy. Like, there's so much in here that's just, like, it teeters between cute and creepy in a way that, like, maybe 16 years ago was cute and now it's like oh maybe not anymore yeah yeah we have new ways of tracking people that's just it's just before iphones it was uh it was a little bit more manual yeah all right best film worst film best of the worst or most fun bad film i don't think this is any of them i think this is not no. a bad thing it's not a great thing it's down the middle very mediocre yeah yeah best role worst role or most wasted performance no yeah. Nah. I think it's interesting, but I don't know that it's his best role. Yeah. It, it's a choice, and he sticks with it, <laughs> you know? That's for sure. Like, he never wavers, or I don't feel like he ever is phoning it in, right? Like, it feels, at least it feels like he's been working on this as a character. Oh, yeah. Now, the big question, this is what I was hinting at before, best ensemble. Like, I think that there's a lot of potential here, but does it ever actually deliver on the best ensemble capabilities? Yeah. I mean, I'd have to see what it was up against, but like, you know, it's fun. So we have right now Best Ensemble, just so you have a quick reference. We're going to limit this down. We're going to cut this down. But A League of Their Own, Apollo 13, Bosom Buddies, Catch Me If You Can, Forrest Gump, Joe vs. Volcano, Road to Perdition, Saving Private Ryan, The Burbs, The Green Mile, Toy Story, You've Got Mail. Like, saying those out loud, Mike, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, no, this is not in that pantheon. Nay. Best Fights, he does not fight. Best Dancing, I don't think he dances. Best Party Scene, there's like his going away party, but it's basically just a bunch of people in a bar, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Best Outfit Wardrobe, I like his ingenuity but there's nothing here that's special the hugo boss suit come on it's no white tux i'll say that <laughs> best death he does not die best line or best freak out like no like the the pull quote that i have for this is that i wait for you like his his tender moment at the end but like hmm. that's not you know that's not great agreed yeah best soundtrack theme score no best or worst here's a question best or worst love story worst love story or no yeah yeah, yeah. let's put that under the worst love story for okay sure. it's, there's a reason to watch this so now we officially have seven worst love stories and five best love stories so oof. that's the way love goes uh, and then best non-hanks actor male or female no nah so only one nominee and it's a bad one worst hanks Ooh. love story well you know i had to take a hit somewhere i had a feeling sometime tonight yeah so that was that that was the terminal, which, you know, not at all the movie I thought it was going to be. Then when I found out what it was, I was scared. And then it wound up being like, oh, okay. I really ran the gamut of like worry, like negative emotions. And I wound up being like, yeah, all right. Yeah, same here, actually. I was really bracing myself. And I was just mostly kind of like bored or whatever about it. Yeah. But Joey, I think I texted you. I was like, it was like noon. And I was like, I just, I started this at eight. It's like <laughs> noon. So it was that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, this is one where I was, I watched like an hour and then I was like, I'm going to make dinner. And then I'm like, I'm going to watch like the 20 minutes or half an hour it takes me to make dinner on my laptop while I'm making dinner. And then I'll go finish it up in the living room. Like it's just one of those where like, I think I can like, I can absorb what's going on here. Yeah. Not again, not bad, but just, you know, not great. Well, it's kind of nice sometimes when you don't need to pay attention, you can just have something on and and glance over at it and you know, it works 
in sequences, right? But like not as a whole for me. So like I can maybe like look over and be like, oh, that part. All right, I'll just watch this part for now, and then I'll just go on with what I was doing. I was legitimately charmed for the first hour or so. I actually really enjoyed it, and I was like, oh, rom com, I can really get behind. And then by the end, I was just like, eh, it's so cheesy. Yeah. Like, you could do worse. I think, like, on my ranking of Hanks movies, this is in the middle. Like, there's so much that we've seen that is worse than this. It's just, it's not, you know, when you see Hanks and Spielberg together. I think that, that's it, right? Like, that was more of the shock than anything, was that, like, I think like, Spielberg would turn in something so unexceptional. <laughs> like, you know, not, <laughs> not that he has to do everything great, but, like, you would just think that this just doesn't feel like, it came from him like on his that it's on his level that's all i mean maybe i just expected more from spielberg that's you know that was the vibe i got yeah well mike next week as both of these podcasts are weekly now next week we've got two big movies well no sorry we got one big movie and we got one other weird movie so today also as the terminal comes out we have oblivion out so go check that one out we recorded that one already interesting movie sci-fi cruise but next week we've got the big sci-fi cruise we've got edge of tomorrow and then on this very feed we've got the polar express a movie that i have not seen i think is animated yep i think he plays a conductor i think he plays everybody really that's what I heard. And Whoa. it's one of the, it's a Robert Zemeckis mocap extravaganza a la Beowulf. So, you know. Oh, boy. Okay. Get okay. ready for that uncanny valley. We're taking a trip. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, Zach, thank you so much for joining us for this weird, weird movie. Where, if people want to find more of you, where do you want people to find you online? Uh, Instagram at Zach Dazon. I'm actually doing a uh, podcast about photography for people who can't leave the house called Quarantography. And that's it on Instagram at Shoot Quarantography. Very cool. I have actually seen as I walk around my neighborhood, like I've seen people with cameras out more. I think I think people are like capturing street art is maybe the wrong term, but like chalk art and just like sort of found things. Like I think there's it feels like there's a lot of people in your type of world that are trying to find art and find beauty in this time of like where it's kind of chaos. Is that fair to say? Sure. And it's just a really great time to be working on skills that you would like to get better at. So there's a lot of people just kind of getting better at hobbies. So yeah, it's a good time. The YouTube series is very much like aimed at an intermediate level uh so that's the thing to keep in mind but yeah very cool yeah well, again thank you so much for joining us but for all things hangs for the memories you can go to cageclub.me facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on twitter and instagram email us hanks at cageclub.me come back next week for both new tom tom episodes we've got edge of tomorrow on the cruise club feed we've got the polar express right here and check out also today if you're if you're looking for something else to listen to today oblivion over on our cruise club feed i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike manzi and that was zach design and we'll see you next time right here on hanks for the memories we not understand I not understand go